Uh, Jake, you in charge? If you're in charge, Jake, and if you're ready to go, I believe we should go. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it looks like it he's worked. Like the strong, he's like the strong silent type down there, man. Uh, hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this Monday. Hope you all had a glorious weekend. And it is September 11th, 22 years. Man. Crazy. Crazy. So we'll do some news, uh, of which uh, the date is relevant to mine anyway. Uh, And then we'll do some smiles. Uh, Kimberly Adams, what do you got? Um, I guess today is going to be the Kai Rizdahl show because I'm going to point to two things related directly to you. So first of all, the interview that you had today, which isn't up on the website yet, but I'm sure we'll include a link on the show notes, um, with the woman from the Marshall Project about retail theft. So interesting. We talked about this on the show because I was talking about how on all these earnings calls, they were saying, they being major retailers, were saying how retail theft was cutting into their bottom line and all these different things that they were putting into place to try to reduce theft and you know all these retailers calling for harsher penalties. And as I learned today, some of them seem to be making it up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, you know, I definitely heard from folks um, on in my DMs and things like that about how, you know, we should spend some time talking about the systemic issues that are leading people to need to steal food, um, which has a lot to do with what's going on in the economy right now and inflation and also, you know, just <laughs> late stage capitalism, I guess, in mm-hmm. terms of people just taking stuff. But... Uh, there's a lot of evidence, according to the wonderful person that you spoke to, that it's not as bad as these retailers are making it out to be. And this rhetoric around, you know, the supposed rise in retail theft is being used to paper over quite a few things. Yeah, I think the upshot of that interview, which which I said right at the end, which is kind of amazing, it took me four and a half minutes to realize this, we just don't know. Uh, how bad or how not bad the retail theft problem is because while there are certainly headlines talking about it and while there are scary images on TV of the very rare, it has to be said, flash Mm mobs and all of that that we've had out here in Los Angeles, uh, systemically we don't actually have the data. And that's kind of a problem. Right, because it's not pulled out in in the way that I, and apparently you also, thought that it would be. Yes, (laughs) yes. So highly recommend that folks go listen to that and also listen to, uh, full disclosure, my friend Noelle King's uh, show Today Explained because last Friday um, she started off this series on capitalism and it's called Blame Capitalism and it features a cameo by one and only Kai Rizdahl in the first episode. But so interesting to look at how we ended up with the system that we have uh it's it's discontents and you know i'm very excited to see where she goes with it in terms of actually questioning the system that people just seem to assume is fine to be the default right right uh noel is a superstar and you should listen to it full stop you just you just should it's super interesting very thought-provoking even even without the bits about me uh it's very good yes it's very good yes uh, maybe we'll especially, maybe maybe especially the bits without me. Uh, yeah. No, Link no, that was page. interesting. Actually, no, I'm going to say your part was very fascinating because I think w- listeners will get to hear a part of your economic experience that we don't often mm. hear about as it relates to your military experience, which I thought was really fascinating. 
Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, okay. Now I have to go back and listen. Yeah, to like, it huh, okay. You're like, oh, uh, well, what did I say? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm so bad about myself. I'm very unself-aware, but that's a whole different podcast. Uh, okay. So here's mine. Today is, uh, mm-hmm. as we noted up at the top, September 11th, and I am not one for odd random anniversaries. The 16th uh, anniversary of whatever, the you know 11th anniversary of XYZ, the 22nd anniversary of September 11th. I just, you know, I mark the biggies and I pay attention to them. The off years, I kind of don't for, for whatever reason. And, and, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, but I was struck today uh, just thinking about it. I was thinking about it when I was running this morning. And, and a thing that I saw, I guess, when it happened, uh, but also a, a number of years afterward. So John Stewart, uh, then the host of The Daily Show, obviously all those shows went off the air after September 11th because news coverage and it wasn't appropriate and, you know, all of this stuff. Um, on the 20th of September 2001, John Stewart brought The Daily Show back. Uh, and he had an eight or ten-ish minute opening monologue, which I found gripping. Um, and if you're in the mood to think about what the mood was like back then, and I certainly understand it if you're not, because it was not great, um, John was, was thoughtful, as he always is, right? And, and look, John has become an icon, and there's you know a certain amount of hagiography around him. But this was John Stewart in his prime. And if you're a John Stewart fan, you should listen to it. Um, so that's thought number one about September 11th. And here's another thought about September 11th, which is a little more distressing. So the thing that happened that day and for weeks and months and maybe years afterward uh, was that there was an amazing sense of national unity, right? Um, some of it was, was uh, from overseas. Uh, some of it was domestic. But it was, it was real and it lasted. And I kind of have to wonder now given where we are as a country and what the last 22 years have brought, uh, you know, insert your own variables here, uh, I wonder what would happen today if something like that happened again. And I don't know. I mean, we kind of know to an extent because during the pandemic, we had a 9-11 worth yeah, of deaths yeah. every day. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. Granted, it wasn't yeah. so violent um, and visual, as mm-hmm. 9-11 was, um, and it didn't necessarily have somebody you could blame in the same way, although lots of people tried to blame yep. China. Um, yep. I, I think, unfortunately, we, we kind of know the answer to that question. People yeah, would not right. believe <laughs> what was going on. Right. Um, and the national unity thing is, is interesting. Um, I was working in local news. Um, I was a, a freshman in college, actually, working at a local... TV station and in the college town that I was in um, and when 9-11 happened and right across the street from the Missouri School of Journalism in Columbia, Missouri, there was this lovely little cafe often frequented by journalism students and it had like the comfy couches and the fireplaces, very much like university collegial coffee shop, the vibe. And it was called Osama's. Mm. And what people did to that poor man's shop after 9-11 was disgraceful. And it ended up reopening um, under a different name. And I think that the national unity went only so far. If you were a Muslim in America, you definitely did not feel like you were a part of that national unity after 9-11, I think. And, um, but your point is taken, but I also think that there's that part of it too. 
Yep. All right, Jake, let's go. What do you got? You got two smiles. I got two smiles, although they both have caveats, um, which I know it kind of defeats the purpose of a smile. But um, in the interest that we need all of the solutions to climate change, there's some really uh, interesting news coming out about uh, an ancient supervolcano in the United States that, according to many outlets, may, and I'm emphasizing on may, be hiding the largest deposit of lithium found anywhere in the world. Um, this is wow. the McDermott Caldera, which sits between on the border between Nevada and Oregon. And there's a study that hypothesizes it contains more than double the concentration of lithium seen in any other bed of clay globally, around 20 to 40 million metric tons in total. I'm reading here from Live Science. Sorry, from Science Alert. Um, this is obviously very important for our clean energy future uh, and our domestic um, ability to have our own lithium. The caveat here being, obviously, there are a lot of environmental concerns about what it's going to take to get this stuff out of the crown, out of the ground. Some of the Native American tribes in the area are very concerned about what mining could do um, to some of their tribal lands and other areas that are sacred. So, with those caveats, uh, lithium is very important to our clean energy future, and so this could potentially, if done right, um, help us out a lot in that regard. So that's story number yeah. one. So, story sorry, number so two. Let's get the, oh, go ahead. Let, sorry, let's get, let's get the plug in for season one of, of How oh, We yes, Survive. Of course. Molly's course, season, which yes, was yes, all yes. about lithium mining and batteries. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and how, yay, but also boo, you know? Um, yeah, anyway, the mining. Season one. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, a lot of these same exact concerns she highlighted and yeah. went into in explicit yeah. detail. So I hope yeah. we can include that yeah. in the show notes also. Another sciencey uh, make me smile ish with a caveat. Um, this one is from Live Science, and in a first, scientists grow human kidneys inside developing pig embryos. Now, yes, there are a million sci-fi stories about how this goes terribly wrong and we end up with sentient pigs that we end up slaughtering so that we can keep ourselves alive. But um, this is uh, the organ donation wait lists are a real issue. Um, a lot of people end up in really terrible circumstances or dying while waiting for organs. And mm -hmm. we're eating, I'm just saying we're eating pigs anyway. If this is something, <laughs> a, a technology oh that <laughs> can be ramped up, um, this could do mm. a, a lot of good for a lot of people with the caveat animal rights. And, you know, I don't like to see animals abused. I do love bacon. I'm just going to say if we're eating it anyway, let's also, you know, save some lives on the way. And I know I'm, I'll get all the hate from the vegans, yeah. and, and uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but bacon's delicious. I, I, men I mentioned how I mentioned how good bacon was on the air one day. <laughs> Boy, did I get it. Oh, my you Lord. Know, but anyway. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. No apology necessary. No apology. Yeah, all right. That's it. That's all we're going to say. Yes, yes. All right. There we go. My, go my final installment of Smash the Patriarchy, uh, so Luis Rubiales, the head of the Spanish Soccer Federation, has in fact resigned after the sexual assault on Jenny Hermoso after the World Cup. That's all we need to say about that. Let's move on. I just want to make sure everybody yes. knew it, which is also not to say, by the way, that there aren't still big problems in, in Spanish soccer. But that's a whole different, you know, kettle of fish. But anyway, this guy is gone and the coach is gone. So, yay. 
Did his mom into her hunger strike? I I don't know. She must have, right? Because how does how does she hold that? Mm. Right? I mean, she, you know, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. We okay. Right. Well, that is it for us today. Uh, join us tomorrow for our weekly deep dive. This week, we're going to be getting smarter about ranked choice voting. This is a system where voters rank candidates by preference on their ballots, and then things get moved around. And it, some people argue that it's a way for um, different candidates to actually get a shot and more people to have a, a voice. There are all sorts of complaints about the system as well. We're going to get into it. More states are pushing for this. And so we're going to talk about how it all works and what it has to do with economics. I personally am excited for this one because I, for reals, do not understand ranked choice voting. I mean, I understand the mechanics, but I want to hear the pros and the cons. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, uh, me too. Also, in, yeah, in case you missed it, and if you were here Friday, and even if you weren't, uh, we've got to make me smart bingo card to all newsletter subscribers. Uh, it's about our 1,000th episode, so you can sign up at marketplace.org slash newsletters, and we will get that to you. Yes. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Ellen Rolfes writes the aforementioned newsletters. Actually, only one. We've only got one newsletter. But Marketplace has yeah, lots. You one. should sign up for them all. Lots. Sorry. Our yeah, intern is Neil Farshabandi. <laughs> Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. Perfect. And on demand. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>